In the Green Room with Bob O'Brien, brought to you by SOS Global Express. So today, folks, we're in the Green Room for the last time on this series of podcasts. And I'm delighted to have Rebecca Travis, who was brave enough to be the first on the podcast with me, uh, without a script, I must add. And she was brave enough to uh, jump on board. I wanted to bring Rebecca back in. and I wanted Rebecca to chat with me and chat to Sarah Cottrell, who's an up-and-coming tour manager with Irish band Picture This, who I've spent the last year behind the scenes advancing some stuff and helping her out uh, along the way and guiding. I wanted to chat to two women in the industry, one in the industry for such a long time. And Sarah, I suppose you come into the industry kind of starting off in a way at our level. And what a lovely way to finish a podcast with two great tour managers. So, Rebecca, Sarah, welcome to the green room. So, Rebecca, thanks for coming back in. No probs. And well done. I've listened to them all since, and they're all great. Really interesting chat from some people I know, some people I don't know, but really interesting. Well done for doing it. Well, thanks. Sarah, you know what? Can I start with you? Because um, you, so you work with Picture This, and I met you through Picture This, and we were introduced to Brian Whitehead, who we've known for years. And I think Brian knew you, and Brian saw you, and Brian spotted something in you, and he kind of knew um, from his experience you'd make a great tour manager. Yeah, thank God. Thank God he took that chance. Um, I was doing some like guest relations stuff for the Coronas on and off, just really their big shows. I was working full time in marketing agencies, but I always enjoyed the music and events. And one day I randomly got a phone call from Brian Whitehead, who you don't expect to ring you when you don't really know him. You know of him, but you don't know him in your phone book. And he rang and said, um, are you free this week to meet? And I wasn't, but I dropped everything and made myself free. And I went and I had my CV printed because I like to be organized in a little folder. I put it on the table and I was like, there's my CV. He's like, I don't want it. Do you want the job? I said, well, what is the job like? And he said, well, I need a tour manager for Picture This. I was like, uh, yeah, I've never been a tour manager before. And he's like, I don't care. Do you want the job? I know you can do it. I was like, okay, I'm in. So I, it's just, I, and he, I'm, he's regretted it ever since, is he? Yeah. <laughs> I just... I didn't know what the meeting was. I thought maybe it was like just coming in to help them with their bigger shows like I did with the Coronas. I remember coming home to my husband that night and just saying, I, I just got offered my dream job. And like to me back then, it like, and it still is my dream job. Like I love every minute of it, but I just didn't think back then I always wanted to work in the music industry, but those jobs don't come up on, you know, jobs.ie or any of those sites that you look on when you're job hunting. So to me, it was a real opportunity to to get into something and, and just learn and here I am a year and a half later. I mean, going back to say, Rebecca, when you were telling us, when I suppose we started off years ago, it, it was very much a sort of a closed scene, really. And uh, I mean, you know, I was lucky to get a lucky break and get a job in a studio in Dublin with all the guys there. But it is very hard to break into it. And like Rebecca, you were saying when you started off with regular music and you had to first build up that network of meeting all the various tours coming in and promoters and stuff like that. And in a way, I suppose, building up the confidence in ourselves, you know, you just need a few years to build up the confidence. Sarah, I can see that with you now. I mean, I've been out in a couple of dates and I've seen how you run stuff. Uh, I mean, that confidence is there and everybody has the confidence in you. And it's a huge difference. Rebecca, isn't it a huge difference when people trust you and they see... They put the confidence in you and they get it back in spades. Absolutely. Fair play to Brian for giving you that that break, for seeing it in you. Because obviously we can, you know, people can plod away as production assistants or tour assistants and, and it takes a while to get that break. But 
in reality, you were clearly, you know, easily capable of doing it and you got, you got to do it straight away, which is, it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, from all I hear, you're doing great. So that's brilliant. Great band picture this. I know it's crazy, but like, I mean, I used to go to their shows. So there are some shows that, you know, if, if I, I don't have something to do backstage, I just stand there and they could play, you know, one of their maybe famous songs, like Take My Hand. And I actually think to myself, like, how is this my job? Like, oh, how, how, yeah, it's you'll great. Get, like, you'll, get, you'll get fed up with that after another <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> I always put it like that with, with Franz Ferdinand as well, because I, I was their assistant and then became the tour manager, but was also a big fan of the band. And that was my first TM role. It was very exciting. I mean, we should all get a bit of that when we watch our artist on stage. You know, you should get that kind of, wow, this is my job. Aren't they amazing? And I always find if I've had a frustrating day, it will always make you feel better even back to the days on Riverdance when 25 of them had come in with annoying questions, you'd go and you'd watch them in that line and you'd think, ah, look at them, aren't they fantastic? <laughs> and we, we should have a pride in, in the people we're working for. That's a very healthy thing. If you don't have that, it's, 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 it's not so good. You know, on, the, uh, on saying that, Rebecca, the, uh, Juliet uh, had said the other night that, uh, you know, a, a big part of her, I suppose, her day when she gets time is to be able to go out into the audience and have a look and see that sort of connection with the people and the smile on people's faces and yeah and that kind of makes it can i ask you guys i know there's been there's been a lot of changes over the years since rebecca you start i, I i'm not going to say you'd have found it harder at the outset but certainly have things got easier is there more is there more roles for women in music i i i get asked this or have been asked this quite a lot over the years and i have to say that I can't really remember a time or, or an instance that I've felt that I haven't got something or I've been unfairly treated or looked upon because I'm a woman. I just, I haven't experienced it, I'm glad to say. Um, obviously there's far less, or there were far less women, well, there's still far less women than men in the industry, but it's more and more now, there's more and more tour managers and production managers. Sarah, have you had that? No, I really haven't. I, I mean, I'm only doing it a year and a half with the guys and I am on an all-male crew, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but I've never, no, I've, I've never, I haven't felt that at all, to be honest. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, even to go on from that, I, I feel like there's such a nice community of women in it. Like, I got to meet Rebecca like two Christmases ago to a friend we were our band were performing at a charity dinner she had on and then I've even had moments where I'm in Germany panicking over a visa and I've been able to ring the likes of Caroline Henry who people will know and I didn't I didn't know her before it but she knew who I was and I got her number and you know there's just a really nice little community of people that can ring each other and help on you know, visa issues, which everyone's had. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was lucky in the early days, actually, talking about Caroline Henry. I met her on the early days of Riverdance, and she was always lovely. Duchess Sue Iredale, as well, was hugely uh, encouraging for me and had me round to the house the day she was working for MCD and her husband for U2. And, you know, she had me round to the house and was so helpful, so supportive. You know, I think it's important that we carry that on and, and guide the sort of future generation of TMs or music industry people and, you know, bring up the next, the next generation because I was lucky enough to have that support when I was starting out. 
the reason I asked both of you in was, I know Sarah from chatting to you and Rebecca, that Sarah, you have been in contact with Rebecca and from when you met that time at the gig and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's, another, there's another phone you can pick up and going back actually on a, on a sort of funnier note, visa hell and US visa hell or multiple visas and <laughs> checking, you know, checking where everybody's second passport is and somebody's left it on the pillow in his aunt's brother's uncle's house and they're at the airport and passport panic, visa panic. Oh, passport panic. I had a thing as well, he'll remain nameless, but um, a certain lead singer of a band, I used to call it the passport pat because when someone, he would go to look for his passport and it happened on a number of occasions and he would look, he would tap his pockets and straight away say, I gave you my passport. And it was just like a whole, just an instant reaction. I gave it to you. A real kind of, a slightly aggressive kind of, you've got my passport. And then he'd pat again, he'd go, oh no, I've got it. And off he'd go to check in or whatever. No sort of, oh, sorry about that. It's just like, you've got it. Oh no, I've got it. I used to call it the passport pat. And now, you know, I always say to people, never joke about passports. It's the one thing. It's not funny. Keep it on you. And, you know, if you do have a problem, you have lost it. You know, you have to go through that process of checking every single thing. Nine times out of 10, they'll find it. But there is, unfortunately, the occasional one time out of 10 where they've lost it. And you know what? I was speaking to Juliet the other night and... I've asked about Unsung Heroes and Tour and by and large it's the tour caterers and drivers. And Juliet said the other night that one, her, one of her Unsung Heroes on the road are the travel agents. Not any specific travel agent, but every touring travel agent in the sense that, you know, they, they get all the information from you guys up front. They've got all the passports. They know all the faces of people, all the dates of births. They could probably nearly ring them off. They know all the different preferences for hotels and airlines of a group, maybe 50, 60 or 10 or whatever number. And, but they're never on the tour. Yeah. Never mm-hmm. on, like 95% of the tours that we do, they're never on them. And Juliet was saying that they're, they're definitely an unsung hero in the background. Yeah. I mean, a good travel agent's worth their, their weight in gold, aren't they? And, and she's right, they're doing all that stuff in the office and they're not, they're not getting to travel or experience the show every night. They'll just come and see it when we're in London or wherever you're, you're traveling. Yeah. But yeah, you really do rely, I still rely heavily on, on a travel agent. Do you, Sarah, you've got a good travel yeah. agent? I mean, we've, we've the best travel agent. He's amazing. But to go a step further, when we were talking about Visa Hell, our band were due to shoot a music video, a large music video. Everything was booked in the US last November. And we were down to like the last hour of flights, like to get them to Los Angeles. And our travel agent had to come out of his office on his motorbike to get around the Dublin traffic to collect from uh, the DPD depot and get those passports like through the airport. And literally we ran the boys to the airplane. Mm. And it's still my one story. I look back on our travel agent and think he is amazing at the hotels and the flights and checking us in and air club points and everything. But for a travel agent to get on their motorbike and come, we would have never got them on that flight without him. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's good. So where's he then? Who's your travel agent? His name is Sean. He's got a company called GPS. It's it's just a small office, but he's, mm-hmm. he's got massive clients and he's just brilliant. Like. And then you um you use a touring travel agent then for hotels, isn't it? Yeah. So actually, Bob, you introduced me to Suzanne from yeah, Tag Agency. Yeah, yeah. And the way I described Tag at the start, because when I started, you know, like I didn't travel much. Learning new cities like Germany, where we we spend a lot of time, was 
stressful enough and a lot of time spent on Google Maps, whereas I just get onto tag and, and send them exactly what we need. You know, a pool or a gym is always nice for the band. And it's literally like a pick and mix when she comes back I, I don't know if you've used tag but the way it's all laid out and it's check 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 it's you know one kilometer from your venue it's two kilometers from the airport and a price and it's so easy and you know you can have a quick google on the website make sure you're happy with the way the rooms look and then you just do it and it's done and, and there's no real worry about it and I think tag have developed a really good relationship with with our account manager there and like that I've only ever met her in London when we've done a show there which is I think twice in the year and a half I've used her and there's never any issues like and they're always great as well for the, the little extras like a late checkout or you know an early check-in like they've been really good absolutely i i use rima who are very similar to tag they've all got a similar um style and you get to know the people i work with uh dave on flights and and nicole on hotels and they get to know you and they get to know your artist style so if you're working with someone like uh, Florence Welsh, she has a certain style that she'll like and certain things she needs or James Blake prefers things a little bit differently so they'll get to know your artist they'll get to know you mm. and then you know different artists move in different ways they have different requirements as you say like uh, early check-ins late checkouts whether they need a gym you know all that stuff a, a nice upgraded room for the the principal if you have enough rooms they get that as part of the deal so you know I've, I've been with the same travel agent for years now and i think you you develop that relationship and and you're unlikely to change they all have the same thing you just need to get on you have to have a great working relationship with the, the your day-to-day -day contact and that's what's going to keep you with them I love like like we're obviously a younger band and, and the budgets aren't thousands for each night and we're, we know we're budget conscious but I love getting to a hotel and checking in and just seeing the whatsapp group going, oh guys did you see this it's class did you see that speaker on the wall or did you see the pool I love that because it's like ah I'm gonna go to bed now with a face mask I've done my job on our day off you know? yeah they're happy yeah I tell you, it's not so good when they're not happy and they still have chats on WhatsApp. Oh, I don't like this place. That's really, you take it personally. And they don't mean it to you personally. Yeah. They just sort of, particularly if they've just been in a really nice one. And then yeah. the next day it's not so good. So it stands out even more. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, have you any, uh, any stories that we can laugh at? Any stories that in your time as a TM? I mean, there's a few funny things like, on the Jonas Brothers tour recently, we wanted to entertain the band while they were on stage. And Minnie, who we spoke about earlier on, said to me in rehearsals, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll dress up on stage. I'll go up on stage. He's our monitor tech. I'll go up on stage. You, you pick any outfit. Don't tell me. And just bring it out on the night. I said, okay, great. And we got him a baby dinosaur outfit. And we quick changed him during the first song of the set. And he was, you know, the way the stage was built, he was kind of parallel, I suppose, to our drummer. And I, like, it's one of those moments where you're, you, you actually think you're going to pee yourself because you're laughing so much. So I'll never forget the moment Jimmy, our drummer, looked down and just saw, like, like he took a double take to be like, because, you know, the, the costume had a full hood on it. So he could see like, you know, all the, the bits on top. And then we got Minnie at the end to go up and do a guitar change with the lead singer to make sure that the audience saw us and make yeah. sure all the band. It was just one of those moments where, we just laughed about it. We're still laughing about it for days after. On our one of our tours last year, you know, the lead singer does this kind of piece in one of the songs where he goes down and, and kind of rocks out on his knees and his pants ripped Ooh. both down the side. He's not never dealt with this before. I don't even sell my own clothes. 
and he ran off stage to me and the two of us just looked at each other as if to be like what do we do and thankfully he's professional and he just sang on but every night after that I had a pair of trousers like in my pocket waiting just in case anything happened we had that Bob didn't we Franz Ferdinand do you remember that Alex did a yes. big kick yeah. and the seam of the whole inside leg on one side just went on his trousers yeah. and we got um Spooner the guitar he came off and he's like you know the guitar like what do I do? And Spooner just got a big thing of gaffer tape, and we just gaffer taped his trousers. Shut. It was a massive rip, not right up, thankfully, just the leg. And then the next day, I, I was like you, but I did a lot on that too. I was sitting there repairing the trousers the next day before he went on stage. God, yeah, those were the days. Sarah, do you like tour busing and all that? Yeah, I actually love it. I, I had that fear before my first tour bus of like, how will I go toilet and how will I wash my face and will the boys be smelly? But I've been really blessed. They're not smelly, just to say. And they're very clean and I love it. We all have the same bunk beds, the same setup. And just, yeah, you get so used to your routine and just, you know what to bring on the next tour and an extra face cloth or, you know, just girly things that help. <laughs> um, but I love it. I love it. You're the only girl on the bus, Sarah. Yeah, well, I had a like a TM assist come out for the Jonas Brothers one, but up until then, yeah, I've been the only one. The Jonas Brothers tour, Rebecca, uh, I, I went out to see the guys in Amsterdam, but uh, the guys were sort of filling me in on how it went, the way that you guys were so looked after and the way that everybody liked you on tour. I mean, Sarah, you struck up some fantastic friendships on that tour. They'll probably stand to you for years in the industry. Yeah, we made some great friends. Uh, there's a girl called Phoebe who... Like, I don't know, we just bonded, we were straight away. She actually stayed on our tour bus a couple of nights with us on, on day off eves, as we call them. Um, disco bus. Yeah, disco bus. <laughs> Roadie Friday. <laughs> Here we go, and we're off. As long as, we, if you get a nice tour bus, and we had, uh, with Freya Ridings, we, we, the last tour I did, we had a little um, section at the back, it was just the two of us and four bunks behind the door. And it's actually the first time, you know, you're normally pretty busy on the bus and you just got the space inside your bunk. But we had quite a lot of space and actually a junk bunk each as it worked out, which was fantastic. That was a, a real luxury. And you could shut the door. So get into your jammies and all that in the in a bit of privacy. It gets a bit old after a while. But I tell you what, in these in these days, I'd be delighted to get on a tour bus. <laughs> oh, be, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I was able to, I would I would. It would it would indicate that things were normal, so I would be very happy to get on a bus. So Sarah, starting touring on days off and stuff, do you tend to spend, which is a common problem, do you tend to spend more time on your day off working, or do you kind of try and take a conscious decision to not work on the on the on the rest of day off or travel day? Yeah, no, it's it's always work. It's always the next day, or it's just even current things in the hotel, or somebody can't I don't know someone's looking for something and I'm googling trying to find it if it's for one of the band maybe going out and getting this um I kind of like it in a weird not like it but in a weird way I'll try and get into my room and say okay well I have two hours to do I'm going to sit up now I'm going to do that two hours because I know maybe all the crew are going for a dinner later or something but mm -hmm. it's kind of, like Rebecca, you have it as well I'm sure you know when you're sitting in an office in a venue it's hard to get your actual computer work done because people are in and out and they're asking you questions or you're running to do something or you know there's a radio interview or something happening whereas in your hotel room you can actually just close the door and just type away and get through all your emails 
No, absolutely. And it's that thing, depending on your deal with the hotel, if you've had to wait for rooms, but you know, if you get everyone settled by noon or one, have a shower, do a couple of good quality hours of, of catching up, maybe pop out to the shops, get a coffee, do some more work, have a nice dinner out with people on an early night. That's your day off done, isn't it? But you still got some sort of um, relaxation from that and a bit caught up with your work. But there's no way that you can ignore work on that so-called day off. We, we don't get days off as tour managers. I've started calling it a no-show day. The band, no show day. Yeah, Absolutely. they all flag me. Because it used to, in Master Tour, it used to be like day off. Now it's like no show day. <laughs> Just yeah. There, there should never be, on any tour itinerary ever, there should be there should never be day off written. It should be yeah. travel day, non-show day, or as an uh, old friend of ours used to say, Steve Chapman, rest of day off. Rest of day, <laughs> that's good. Rest of evening off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jake Duncan told me very early days, he said, there's no such thing as a day off, there's a show day and there's a no show day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's absolutely right. As long as you can get a wee wander around and a nice dinner out, I think you see something of the, of the city you're in. But in the end, that's our jobs, isn't it? We have to, we have to catch up where we can. Rebecca, we chatted about, um, you know, the WhatsApp groups and sort of day mm -hmm. off and you use the WhatsApp group to post a load of information to people because it's real time and it's great. But then everybody starts coming back with their dinner plans or, and all of a sudden, two WhatsApp turns into like 50 WhatsApps. And in the middle of it all, you send a day sheet and everybody misses it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's what happens. It's like, what restaurant are you in? Or we've gone to the, the blah, blah on, you know, you know the, with the address. And, oh, what time you come in? It's just like screeds and screeds of, of pointless rubbish. Well, not pointless, because they got to the restaurant. And then they're about, what bar are you going to? Oh, I can't make dinner. I'm going to have a sleep, but I'll meet in the bar later. We're going to this bar. And it's like, here's your day sheet. You have to be ready at two o'clock. Did anybody read it? You know, as long as you send it, you hope that they read it. Generally, nobody asks me something that's on a day sheet because I've kind of uh, drummed into them from an early, early point that it'll be on the day sheet. Don't ask me. <laughs> Sarah, do you find you're always the one splitting the bill and working out what everybody owes? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We like we. I mean, Revolut. I don't know if everyone uses those cards. Yes. Those things. They're brilliant. They've really changed it for us. Because so especially when you're well on that on the card, yeah. right? Especially when you're in different countries and you don't have the currency. Yeah, we use that all the time now. That's good. That's good. We we did Centrip on Arcade Fire, Bob, didn't we? Similar. Yeah. Yeah. I do find though there are you know I've done a new Eats like a McDonald's or something to the tour bus and you're chasing people but maybe I've done an order of like 90 euros so I'm chasing people for tenors and they're like oh it's only a tenner I'll get it to you and they don't you're left with the bill you know of nine people forgetting to give it to you yeah and you can't the PDs take off their PDs no yeah it's all that stuff is frustrating or uh we we used to have notices on Riverdance because obviously the scale of that there's so many people uh, you had to get you had to get information to people and we used to have notice boards and you know frustrated company manager and I did logistics we all had notes up and the dancers used to start tearing little bits away of the sign like whether it was to just annoy us or to or to use it to write something on or whatever so you'd put a sign up in the morning you'd go back to like a third of the sign they would never take a bit was writing on it but it just looked terrible. You're like, what are they doing? And I definitely think they did it as a wind up. Just every so often, someone would pass and just rip a little bit of the off these big notice boards we had. God, <laughs> the smallest things. Like, but we hated all the signs, all the do's and don'ts, and 
So Sarah, I've, I've had this with Rebecca earlier on. Do you have a pet hate on tour? What, is there anything that drives you crazy with, with people on tour? Yeah, like going back to the day sheets, people ask me a question and your answer is, oh yeah, it's on, it's on the day sheet. <laughs> and, and like simple things like, what time are we on stage? Well, it's not, that's definitely on the day sheets. I might have forgotten something, but that one's definitely there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I sense a bit of sarcasm there. <laughs> and like, I try, like, I try to be really sweet with them. I try, and, and they're probably listening to this. I try open my phone and I say, oh yeah, I'll just check Master Tour and I'll, I'll tell you while I'm standing there beside them to show how, how easy it is. But um, that's definitely a pet ace. Do you like Master Tour? I do. I probably use it more than the people I work with. I do use it. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great app. I think the update they did like not so long ago was super and it, it had a lot more in it. And yeah, I, I did, Sarah, on a, on a lighter note, I got, um, I was telling the lads that you were going to come on to the green room, uh, the band. And uh, one, of them, one of them said to me, ask her about what she, what she does in her days off, filling in some WhatsApp with useless information that none of us ever read. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I won't tell you who it was, but uh, they asked me to say that to you. Actually, Rebecca, there's a very, Sarah, you have to tell the story of uh, when you started off. I think, it was, I think it was your first gig with Picture This. So my very first show was Electric Picnic. So like for anyone who, who maybe isn't in the industry, doing a festival is so different to like a headline tour. There's so many people, there's different crews, different bands. It's it's like a zoo when you first start. And my first job was to give out credentials. So the laminates to people. So they had them before, you know, barriers were put up and everything. I didn't know the crew. I didn't know their faces. So I had their numbers saved. And I, I text people to say, well, where are you? I have your laminates. And Phil, our front of house tech, text me saying, great, yeah, um, if you could drop it down to me. And I was like, super, where will I find you? He's like, I'm, I'm front of house. I was like, okay, great. Where is that? <laughs> His reaction immediately after that day was probably like, oh my God, the tour manager doesn't even know we're front of houses. <laughs> so guys, we're going to leave it there. Rebecca and Sarah, thanks for joining us in the green room. It was great having you guys on and stay safe and I'll speak to you soon. So folks, there we leave it. The last episode of these podcasts in the current series. Uh, we've put together a few outtakes at the end of all this, if you want to stay tuned and listen into those. In the meantime, I'd like to thank a few people for making all of this happen. First of all, I'd like to thank the guests who sat in the green room with me over the last few weeks. And thanks for having the conversations. I'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in. Uh, it's been a phenomenal response and way beyond any, any expectation I could have had hoped to have from the outset of this. What started as a simple idea. I'd like to thank Brendan and Carolyn at Hot Soccer Media for their input across the podcast. I'd like to say a huge thank you to SOS Global, my colleagues at SOS Global, for making the podcast happen and for sponsoring them. And I'd like to leave you with a very simple line. And this was sent to me by my good friend, Caroline Henry. And she sent it to me a few weeks ago when all this madness was happening. And it's a very simple line. I think it's very apt. And it's from an Irish poet called Seamus Heaney. And it goes like this. If we can winter this one out, we can summer anywhere. So folks, on that thought, thank you. Stay safe and speak soon.
in Japan, Bob, we finished. Bob, I do remember. remember well, you know, do I remember? I uh, I certainly been told the stories. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff happened yeah. there as well. A lot of very funny stories that we can't really talk about. But and but that's, that's one of the few game. one of the few pranks I've ever pulled on anybody. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was a good one. And you know what? I I know I deserved it, but I can't remember what it was over. <laughs> I remember what it was over. I went by your head. He runs off as he leaves. Nah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what's the question? Can't do my best. <laughs> Why do people need things? <laughs> Why is there so much waste? The audience are uh, absolutely nuts. In fact, they call them the Irish of Asia. That's what the South Koreans are called. <laughs> Funnily enough, usually the, win- the people who do the most whinging are the ones who actually are least busy. Um, is there an insight phrase you use? <laughs> <laughs> I bet there is. <laughs> the AC vent above stop at pouring out water. That's right, yeah, through the lighting, lighting, through the, uh, lighting through the lights, <laughs> lighting fixture. <laughs> I hope there's no table for ones listening to us. No, well, I'm sure there are, but... Uh, if there I, are, you probably know who you are. <laughs> no, I think sadly most of them don't, but they're now having an epiphany of how many times they were left at the table by themselves. When uh, I sent the runner out and I said, I want you to go to the cheapest store you can buy, and I want you to buy all women's underwear, the ugliest granny panties you can buy and when his laundry came back we pulled all of his underwear out we replaced it with all of the women's underwear and just put it back in the bag i'm ready to get back to work i would trudge through a dirty european festival right now I'm going to take the brown M&Ms out, and if they walked in, they were still in the bowl, that they knew it would be a shit gig, basically. (laughs) (laughs) That's saying thank you so much. He says it so well, but I actually think he means it. Well, Steve, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Just let me say thank you so much, Bob. But the best one uh, was five kilograms of carrots presented on about six of those oval catering trays covered in cling film that had all been grated through the small grater. <laughs> As an example, I've got um, reverse osmosis, seven times filtered, sparkling water here at home, Bob. <laughs> How did that sound, Bob? Is that all right? That sounded great. I'm thinking that rider, and then the band fly in an hour before the show and they do a runner. <laughs> <laughs> and he was on the CB radio to one of the one of the other drivers, and he said to him, he said, "Oh, they're they're really they're they're going mad in the back." He said, he, "Ring." I said, "It's all right. It's, it's, it's okay. They'll burn themselves out." <laughs> and one of the other drivers said, "Maybe they're just starting, Ringo." <laughs> And it's which, never going to stop. Which we and it, didn't, and it didn't ever stop. But also, there'd, there'd be one, there'd be a club hammer with a handle missing, and one screwdriver with the end burned off, so you couldn't use it, and a pre-war soldering iron. <laughs> and that'd be the contents of your workbox. Well, I go what? I can give you the answer now, Bob. Nine inches, all right? <laughs> we didn't get to half of the stories, thankfully. No, we didn't. <laughs> good, good job just carried on from there really once the money's done then a glass of wine to chill man i have to laugh the idea of yourself and jimmy madden running a pub sweet, <laughs> sweet mother of divine jesus how how would that have been well it's when they don't know who the beatles are there <laughs>
I've, I've had that recently. <laughs> Last minute, how do you improvise? Be a good liar. Yes. <laughs> Give them some other shit. <laughs> he, he was pretty good on the marble. If you're on the end, there's nothing to lean against. Anything you want to chat about? I'm good, Bob. I had my first laptop on Pinterest. What I hate about it is people that want to use it for their stream of consciousness, um, where it pings every 30 seconds with useless stuff you don't really need to know. Bass players who shall remain nameless, chewing gum really loudly in a small van. They went skinny dipping in that Arctic black water at sort of three in the afternoon. When you walk into walk into a new venue and immediately one of the bands says, hey, where are the toilets? And you're like, I don't know, I just got here. <laughs> like, you think Muhammad Ali bought there and you've Marlon Monroe sang to the president and stuff yeah. like that. And you're walking in those backstage areas like the yeah. most people walked in. It's a very simple thing. Yeah. Tea bags left beside the Burko boiler next to the dusted <laughs> right there. My idea of hell is really good. <laughs> As roadies do, as you well know. Jesus, that's brilliant. I'm sure there's an awful lot of people who design the, the, the show at the tour of the UK and Europe and then you get to the NEC in Birmingham. <laughs> and it's touching their nose. <laughs> the artist is banging their head off the PA cap. Um, I thought you'd nodded off there, Bob. Anything else, guys? Not really, just my grey roots are absolutely <laughs> horrific. I'm going to tell you now, right? I'm not going to edit that bit out so everyone... Oh, come on. <laughs> but our hairdresser's open in Ireland. Sarah in the middle of the tour this year got married. Bob decided to ruin my uh, centrepieces in my wedding at the end of the night. I'll edit it very carefully as well. Yeah, don't make us sound daft. Just let me go do one more just in case, because that was very serious. Like bloody Terry Wogan here, isn't he? <laughs> in the Green Room, sponsored by SOS Global Express. Proudly supporting the frontline efforts throughout the COVID-19 pandemic.